Microsoft Story Classic, bringing to you recordings of old storybooks. The Thorn in the Nest, Episode 21 Never had scheme more signal failure than that of Littleton for convincing Purdy Nell Lamar of his dauntless bravery. He went away from the majors that night, crestfallen and angry, seeing his ill luck and her quickness of perception. Nor was Fair Nell herself in a much more enviable state of mind. There was a sad, reproachful look in Kent's eyes as he bade her a courteous good night, which haunted her for days and weeks like a nightmare. She purposely avoided him when he called the next morning to inquire about Bertie, and when the weather permitted her to resume her walks and rides, was careful to select those in which she was least likely to meet him. He was now slow to, to perceive this, and it wounded him deeply, particularly as Littleton was very frequently her companion, and his society seemed not unpleasant to her, if one might judge from her bright looks and smiles. Yet Nell despised Littleton heartily, and at times herself scarcely less. Nell Lamar, you are becoming an errant and shameless coquet she would exclaim almost fiercely to herself in the privacy of her own room. I'm ashamed of you. No wonder Dr. Clennon looks at you as if he despaired of you and pitied you for your depravity. Well, whose fault is it but his? Why do his lips refuse to speak what his eyes have said over and over again? Oh, it is mean and shameful. I will not care for him or his reproving looks. He is no better than I, and yet, and yet, oh, Kenneth, Kenneth, you are good and noble and true, though I cannot understand it. Thus she was by turns angry and repentant, now reproaching him, and now herself. She did not, however, give Littleton much encouragement, as she had said to Dale she could not forbid him the house. Neither could she avoid being in the same room with him when there, as no other, the kitchen accepted was warm enough for comfort at that inclement season nor could she prevent his joining her in the street she usually declined his attentions when it could be done without positive rudeness yet he persevered the prize seeming to him all the more valuable because of its difficulty acquisition. Dale looked on with vexation and a growing dislike to Littleton, but Clare gave the latter her countenance, making him always welcome to the house, saying little things that flattered his vanity, and vaguely hinting that Nell was capricious and might be won in time by clever courting. The major was apparently oblivious of the whole matter, while the gossips of the town compared notes and speculated as to the probability that the Englishman's suit would eventually prosper. These queries and conjectures now and then reached Kenneth's ears, inflicting a sharp pang, all unsuspected by the talkers, for it had come to be the popular opinion that Dr. Clendenin was a confirmed bachelor. 
utterly indifferent to the charms of the softer sex, and not by word or tone, or so much as a change in the calm gravity of his demeanor, did he let them into the secret of his silent suffering. And it was not slight, many a night of sleepless anguish it cost him to think how his darling, his own precious little Nell, as he must call her, was being wiled away from him by one who could never, he was sure, half appreciate her worth, and was far from deserving so rich a prize. But could it be possible that she would throw herself away thus, that she would give her hand without her heart? For was not that all his own? Had not those beautiful, eloquent eyes betrayed her secret to him, spite of herself? And yet, and yet, had he beyond a doubt or peradventure read that look aright? Oh, if he might but go to her, pour out the story of his love, and sue for hers. But alas, alas, he dare not. T'would be a more grievous wrong than to keep silent and let her think what she would of him. And though he longed continually for her sweet society, though he felt as if shut out of a heaven on earth, while staying away from her dear presence, he must constrain himself to do so, always have some excuse ready when the Major urged upon him the hospitalities of his house. And what right had he to accuse the dear girl in his heart of fickleness and coquetry? He, and he alone, was to blame for her conduct, because he his looks had told the story of his love, and his lips failed to confirm it. There was perhaps more than usual sociability among the young people of Chillicothe that winter, and Littleton was invited everywhere, generally accepting, always when he knew that Miss Lamar would be one of the guests, and not unfrequently she was much vexed by the marked attention he was pleased to bestow upon her. Some of the other young ladies would have received them with far more complacency, deeming the handsome, fascinating, and apparently wealthy Englishman no mean prize in the matrimonial lottery. Of course Nell was teased and jested with about her ardor, but to the surprise of the well-meaning jokers, their witticisms were received with hauteur and sometimes positive anger, leaving no room for doubt that the subject was an unpleasant one. Still most of them made up their minds that it was only their remarks that was so distasteful to her, and not the man himself or his evident predilection. Nell usually enjoyed the sleigh rides, the quiltings, the social tedium, and evening parties which constituted the winter festivals of the town, and was the life of them all. But this season she was glad to get away from them, or rather from Littleton's society, to the quiet and seclusion of Mr. Nash's farmhouse, to which she was carried off by its mistress one bright December morning, for a fortnight's visit. Mrs. Nash had come into town to exchange butter and eggs for dry goods and groceries. That done, she called at the Major's, proposed to Nell to take a vacant seat in her sleigh, and returned with her, and was delighted by a prompt acceptance of the invitation. I don't know how Mr. Littleton will be able to endure so long a separation, remarked Claire demurely. And I don't care, retorted Nell with spirit. I shall enjoy it extremely, as selfish as it may seem, that is all I am concerned about. How about Dr. Clennanant? queried Mrs. Nash with a roguish smile. The girl's face flushed, then paled. He is seldom here and will not miss me, she said in a quiet tone as she left the room to make the necessary preparations for the trip. 
Your English friend will be sure to follow you, said Claire as they bade goodbye. He would not dare, cried Nell, but don't let you let him know where I am, for there is no saying how far his audacity may carry him. Quite as far as you travel today, I've no doubt, laughed Claire. Nell, said Mrs. Nash as they glided swiftly over the snow, leaving the town behind. I hear that Englishman is very attentive to you, but I can tell you Dr. Clinton is worth a dozen of him. What has that to do with it? asked Nell dryly, screening her face from view in the folds of a thick veil. They are not rivals. I don't know what you mean, my dear child. I do know that Dr. Clinton loves you. He has made you his confidant. Nell's tone was a mixture of inquiry, pain, incredulity, anger, and piquet. Not intentionally, but words could not have told it more plainly than his looks, tones, and actions when he found you lying insensible beside the carcass of that mad cat and thought you had been bitten. All your imagination, Monami, Dr. Clannon, and I are nothing to each other. Nell strove to speak lightly, but there was an undertone of bitterness which did not escape her friend. Mrs. Nash mused silently for a moment, saying to herself there had probably been a lover's quarrel, but she hoped it would all come right in the end, and she would be on the lookout to do anything in her power to bring about a reconciliation. She was not one of the prying kind, however, and knew that Nell would be quick to resent any attempt to worm her secrets from her, so when she presently spoke again, it was upon a widely different topic. They had a pleasant, sociable time together for several days, Nell finding positive pleasure in helping her friend to make up winter garments for the children. Then came a heavy snowstorm, followed by bright weather, clear and cold, making excellent sleighing. Mrs. Nash had carefully avoided broaching the subject of Nell's love affairs, but they had, nevertheless, been seldom absent from her thoughts, which had busied themselves with projects for restoring harmony between the two, whom she supposed to have had a misunderstanding. She had cast about in her mind for an excuse for sending for the doctor, that so they might be brought together and given an opportunity for mutual explanation. So anxious for this was she that it seemed hardly a matter for, for regret when she found she had taken cold with the change of weather and had a slight sore throat. Mr. Nash was going into town, and she requested him to call at the doctor's office and ask him to come out and see her. Nell heard, and it sent the blood to her cheek and made her heart beat quickly. She had not exchanged a word with Dr. Clinton since that evening when she had read, or fancied she did, reproof in his eye and voice because of her flirtation with Littleton, and she both longed and dreaded to meet him. The latter feeling increased as the time drew near when he might be expected. The merry jingle of sleigh bells and the side of a cutter with a gentleman in it wrapped in furs dashing up to the gate had almost sent her flying from the room so strong was the impulse that moment to avoid him. But a second glance told her that was not Kent's noble figure which sprang from the vehicle and came hurrying up the path to the house. She sat still and in another moment Littleton stood smiling and bowing before her hat in hand. Excuse the intrusion, fair lady, he said. I felt shut out since your withdrawal from the Major's house, and I came as bearer of a letter which I must even hope may secure me a welcome. He tendered it gracefully as he spoke. Ah, oh, thank you, she cried, her face flushing with pleasure, for letters were a rare thing in those days. 
He bade her read it while he sat by the fire and chatted with Mrs. Nash, to whom, with his usual tact and skill, he soon managed to make himself extremely entertaining. Now, fair lady, he said, turning to Nell, she refolded her letter, may I not claim a reward for the slight service I have had the happiness to render you? Of what kind, sir? she answered with a saucy smile. The privilege of taking you out for a short drive, the slaying is superb. Nell was in a most gracious mood, and then here was the wished-for chance to escape the dreaded meeting with Dr. Clennanan. She consented at once, and hastily donned cloak and hood. "'I'm afraid you will find it very cold,' objected Mrs. Nash, more anxious to detain the young girl for Kenneth's coming and to prevent any acceptance of attentions from his rival than she would have liked to acknowledge." "'Oh, no, madam,' hastily interposed Littleton. "'I have a foot-stove and plenty of robes, and there is no wind. "'Indeed, I assure you, it is quite delightful out today, "'and the air is so pure and bracing. "'And I am warmly dressed and have a thick veil added now.' "'Littleton tucked the robes snugly about her, saying, "'I trust you will not suffer from cold, Miss Lamar.' "'Oh, no,' she answered with a happy laugh. "'Now which way shall we travel?' he asked, gathering up the reins with the thought that Dr. Clennon would be coming from the town, and the desire to avoid a meeting, Nell named the opposite direction. But they had not gone half a mile when that very thing occurred. Dr. Clendenin had a patient some miles farther out from town, had called there first, and was intending to take Mr. Nash's in his way home. He bowed with grave courtesy to Nell and her companion in passing, recognizing the latter with a jealous pain that was like the stab of a sharp knife. Nell's cheeks flushed and her eyes fell. She was thankful that her veil hid her agitation from Dr. Clennanan. But then, and many times through the succeeding weeks and months, she would have given much to deny to him the knowledge that she had accepted this attention from Littleton. In vain she asked herself what concern was it of his, what right he had to object. She could not shake off the feeling that she was in some way, to some extent, accountable to him. From that day she was as ready with excuses as Kenneth himself when the only alternative was to permit Littleton to be her escort. Thank you for listening to another episode of Akersoft Story Classic.